Good morning. Everybody doing good? Cozy? Chilly? Everybody have a restful Thanksgiving weekend? Yes. A lot of food? Minus green bean casserole. That's my, that's my favorite. See, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in South Africa, so I, I always look forward to it. Um, today we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40. So if you want to turn your Bible to Isaiah chapter 40, if you do not have your Bible here, there are some Bibles on the floor. If you do not own a Bible, please feel free to take that with you. That's our gift to you this morning. Um, you can be sure to take that with you. Um, and like already, uh, Travis and Carissa led us in as we're in the start of our Advent series, which is uh, just simply like the already notion. It's It's just the the coming, it means the coming and, and really just the anticipation of the coming Messiah, which of course we then celebrate the 25th of December. Um, before I get started, please let me uh, just go ahead and pray and uh, we'll get teed up and get going, all right? Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this morning. We are grateful that you are here with us. We're grateful that you have given us another day that you have spared us through this weekend, Lord. We, in this moment, just think about, uh, think about our uh, brothers and sisters who uh, are our family, who are on their way back from India. Uh, we lift them up. As we know, it's a busy travel day, Lord. Please be with them. Keep them safe. Protect them, Lord. And then as we continue in this word of comfort this morning, Lord, let that just speak to our hearts um, and, and like only you can, Father. Um, in your son's name, Jesus, amen. If you don't mind, let me just grab my water here. Um, I talked to Derek Ashman. If you guys go here, you might know who that is on Monday. And in the middle of while I was talking, my voice just cracked really bad. I mean, he literally, we didn't continue the conversation without him saying that's the worst he's ever heard someone's voice crack. So I could at least say that, hey, I am a little bit sick or at least was a little bit sick. So there might still be some of that. And if my voice cracks, we can laugh, get it over with, but let's keep going. Let's not get distracted here this morning. So excuse me for that. Um, is anybody here familiar with what cliff notes are or spark notes? Anybody? You can raise your hand. You're familiar with cliff notes. I'm sure the Rice students, you guys don't use those because I know you are from a different intellect than the rest of us. Um, but I, I think we all have an idea of what spark notes are. And if you're not familiar with what they are, it's, it's really just, if you have to go read through Macbeth, spark notes will take you through chapter of chapter summaries of what the, what the whole book of Macbeth is about. So that's just one example. It's really just summaries of whatever we had to do in school. Um, and the reason I want to bring up cliff notes is because this morning, before we get uh, into our passage in Isaiah chapter 40 is we're going to kind of have a, let's call it a cliff note or a spark note session on some of the promises of the Old Testament, okay? And by no means um, are we going to try and defend God. He does that. We're just really uh, going to read, read over them um, and go over some of that to be reminded of the promises that's been made and that's been fulfilled in Jesus. And you can think about it in this way, okay? Have you thought about the power that, let's call a barista. Do you know how much power a barista has in their hands, okay? Because you can go to your coffee shop, they can advertise this great coffee, and they might serve you Folgers. If you don't really know uh, too much about coffee, you might not even taste the difference, right? So how do we know that what they promise to serve is what we're going to get? Well, it's pretty simple. With the digital age, the being, you know, being here, we just go to Yelp, and we go read the Yelp reviews, and we see what well, the last 100 people that went there and commented said 
that you get what you ask for, right? And we can kind of go look at their credibility is where I'm getting at. Is that they have credibility built up, and in some way, we're going to use comfort as the substance that we're looking for today. We're going to use God as the provider or the source of that comfort, and then we're going to use the Bible as, as kind of the credibility. And I'll bring it together with this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this. He says, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. Okay, so maybe you're confused now. Here's what I'm going to do today. In order for us to find comfort, we're going to look at truth. Okay, we're not going to go try and fetch comfort somewhere with some fancy author's book. We're going to look at truth in order to find that comfort. So, here are some of the promises that was made in the Old Testament, and we're going to just kind of go through these. Don't feel you have to write all these down. There's 500 and something promises in the Old Testament. These are just a couple to kind of give you the idea that God is a credible God, okay? One of the first ones that was made in the Old Testament, kind of one of the big ones, I would say, is in Genesis 3.15. It's what's called the Proto-Evangelium, the first pronouncement of the gospel, and I'm really not that smart. It's right in your study Bible. Um, it says it right in your uh, subscript or whatever. It's, uh, it's where uh, the Messiah, where it says the Messiah would be the offspring or the seed of a woman and would crush the head of Satan, okay? So the very first pronouncement of the gospel was made all the way in the beginning of Genesis 3.15. Then the second one we have is that he would come from the seed or the offspring of Abram and that he would bless all the nations on the earth. That's in Genesis 12 verse 3, okay? So God made three promises to Abram. He promised him land, he promised him a son, and he promised him many nations or blessed nations. And of course, we can see that there's many nations, so we saw that come about. But the, the first one actually was the promise of a son. Okay, now the, I would say the significance behind that is, is that at the time, Abram was about 99 and his wife was about 90, okay? So things weren't looking all that great. It's not like it was that much different then, okay? It's pretty much the same way as it is today. Things like the odds were kind of stacked against them, okay? And God said to Abram, just trust me, I will give you a son. And if you're familiar or you've been around the church for a while, God, or the people talk about the God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, Isaac being the son of Abram, and that's where the bloodline of Christ started or the seed offspring started all the way to the coming Messiah. Pretty awesome, right? Um, the second one is the promise of land. Now, what I love about this is that our passage in Isaiah chapter 40, God's people find themselves in this land, which is who knows what that land was called. What's the name of that land? The promised land or Canaan, right? And the, the big thing about that is, or the big significance about that is, is why it's called the promised land, right? And it's simply because it's a promise that God made to Abram. So it's called the promised land, right? Big, that's a joke, by the way. Um, so... Let's go, let's cover a couple of these other promises. We'll have, uh, he would have a throne, a kingdom, and a dynasty or a house, starting with King David that will last forever. This is in 2 Samuel 7, um, where we see the Davidic covenant, where God said, David, you're going to reign as king, but that dynasty that you reign from will be an eternal dynasty because Jesus is going to come from that seed and he will reign forever. Um, then we have Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Isaiah prophesied and said he'd be born of a virgin. Then Micah 5, verse 2, he'd be born of Bethlehem of Judah. 
Um, he'd be, he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, righteous and having salvation, coming with gentleness. That's Zechariah 9, verse 9 to 10. And then the last one that we'll just cover here is where uh, in Daniel 7, it said that he would come again from the clouds of heaven as the son of man. Okay, And, and there's multiple other promises that we could have gone through. And really the reason just why I wanted to mention those is so that we can see, all right, these promises have been fulfilled. They've come about. And therefore, we know that even though God's people, God's people had their backs against the wall, that he will bring about his promises. I think it's important to, to, to notion and make sure that you guys understand that these promises that's been fulfilled didn't just happen. It wasn't like God just you know, snapped his fingers and these things came about. You can read about stories of people like Joseph where he, you know, got sold off into slavery um, and yet through all the things that he's gone through, eventually saved the seed of where Jesus came out of, right? So significant, crazy stories like that happened. So these things didn't just come about. So we know that God is a credible God even in the midst of people having their backs against the wall. So God is a credible God, number one. Um, he's fulfilled his promises throughout history, and he's done so by using his people, okay? So we can know that. And third one, God is not a pansy God, okay? So when things aren't going well, you can know that this God that we talk about and we worship is a ferocious, loving God, all right? So the goal for today, the goal for today is this, is to bring comfort to an afflicted people. If you want to write something down today, to bring comfort to an afflicted people. I want for us to, to today walk out of here differently than what we walked into, than how we walked in here today. We, uh, we often do this, and we often come in, and we listen, and, you know, it's all great, but we leave very similar. You go get your car, you get lunch, things just go on. I want for us to feel the weight of this today. I want for us to, to see this word of comfort and the fact that, man, the stuff that's been written about here, the truth that's in the Bible, really happened. It's not just some mythical book. It's real. It's, it's actual. There's evidence for the things that's happened in here, okay? So quick background on Isaiah chapter 40. We'll kind of, I'm going to just kind of give you some background and then we'll dive into our text for today. So Isaiah was a prophet or a messenger sent by God in order to point God's people back to him, okay? God's people um, in the nation of Judah, they... Uh, they rebelled and, and they craved worldly security. They, they wanted an earthly king and, and they worshiped idols, okay? And, and God sent Isaiah to prophesy and talk to these people and say, hey, listen, you're worshiping the wrong God. You're looking for comfort in the wrong places. Here, look at this one true God, the God of salvation, okay? And then 39 chapters, God purifies a remnant of his apostolate people through judgment, okay? This whole chapter 1 through 39 up to chapter 40 is really just judgment. 39 chapters of purification and judgment. We have in chapter 36 to 38 the Assyrian uh, invasion, which is really kind of like the bad neighbor taking over Judah. And then we have in chapter 39, um, Isaiah comes and tells them that uh, Babylon will come and destroy Jerusalem a little bit later, which then came about in 586 B.C. Okay, just to kind of give you some timeline on that. Um, so imagine this, okay? The people of God just were about to celebrate the downfall of the Assyrians, and here comes Isaiah, and he tells them, 
listen, guys, by the way, Babylon is on its way, and it's going to come take you over and bring, take you guys into exile. Okay, so they weren't in a good place, right? They, and th- I, I want you to kind of think of this. Think about, let's call it ISIS takes over the USA today, all right? Because some of these stories kind of, you can kind of get this like cartoon picture in your head. I want you to think of how bad it would be if they took over our country, it would not be good, okay? So this is where these people are. They find themselves in a really bad state, okay? And now we get to the beginning of chapter 40, and we see that God's people, they needed to hear a word of comfort, okay? They really needed to hear a word of comfort. They had their backs against the wall um, because Judah still had 100 years of, of trouble before Jerusalem would fall, and then they had 70 years of exile, okay? So things were not looking good. The near future was not looking any more promising than it did not long ago, okay? So I don't want to open up any wounds here this morning. I don't want us to, to walk out of your hurting, and, and if anything, but I want you to right now think about the time in your life, and, and maybe some of you who are older might have, you know, some more, I don't want to say tougher stories or compare any of this type of thing, but I want you to think of the toughest time in your life that, you, that you've ever gone through, that season that was just really, really hard, okay? Let that kind of sink in for a minute and just, just think about a time that was really, really difficult for you. Because I believe if we can do this and if we can put ourselves in that place of really deep struggle, Maybe then we can put ourselves in the shoes of where God's people found themselves in this passage and then see this whole passage in the light of who God is. Okay, because that's the goal today. It's for us just to look at this and not just apply it to this and that. I want us to see who God is, that he's a true God, that he is faithful, that no matter what comes, he will bring about the promises that he's made. Okay? So, Verse 1, let me take one more sip of water before we get into our first little bit here. Verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That comfort that is talked about there is a deep comfort. It means to console. The Hebrew says nacham, to console, okay? And, and <laughs> funny enough, that what this made me think of was whenever I got a spanking or ever when, I, when I got my butt whipped when I was little, um, my parents would then get me afterwards and, and they would console over me and they would tell me how much they love me and they do it to discipline me and so forth and they would comfort me. And in some way, I just kind of related that to this, thinking that God's people just got a big spanking and God is saying, listen, comfort my people, comfort, okay? So that's, that's kind of how this played out in my mind and I'm just being honest with you, okay? So then it goes on to say, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry that her warfare or her hardship is ended, Okay, the significance behind this is that they were still in the midst of the battle. They were, things were still looking pretty bad. And here God comes and he says that her warfare is ended. Why? Because God knew that he already crushed the head of Satan, right? He already crushed the head of Satan. So he can, in some maybe prophetic way, say that your warfare is ended. So the battle still looms, but as far as it concerns the believer in Jesus Christ, her warfare is ended because you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That comes from 1 John 4, verse 4. One of the, the 
study Bibles or something that I used had this quote in it, and I, I just say that to reference this because I didn't come up with this. But it said, and, and this is great to write down, I would write this down, it says, the seeds of comfort may take root in the soil of adversity. The seeds of comfort may take root in the soil of adversity. There's a song by, by Casting Crowns, and I will not sing this, but I will quote this. Um, just, I, I promise you, it's just for your, for your own good. You don't want me to sing this, and maybe for whatever is left of, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. But it goes like this. It says, your world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. Your world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. And in this moment, I think God comes to these people and he says, comfort my, comfort my people. Listen, your world is not falling apart. Things are actually coming together. Okay, and it's really hard to see it in that time, but this is what God is trying to tell them, that things are just falling into place, okay? Then it goes on to say that her iniquity is pardoned, okay? Isaiah spent 39 chapters telling them about their iniquity, telling them about their sins. So first off, they know that they are a sinful people that's been unfaithful, that has sought after worldly things, okay? So they know about their iniquity, and here come, uh, comes God, and he says, that her iniquity is pardoned, okay? And I'm going to come back to that. Let me read this next a uh, little bit first, and then I'll come back to that. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. That word double means duplicate, okay? So when you think about it, think of um, when something is folded over. If you have a piece of paper and you fold it over that, the one side corresponds exactly with the other side, uh, trying to say that the sin that was done and the payment that was made exactly corresponded so that, so that the, the iniquity that's been pardoned has been pardoned with the exact payment that was needed for, to cover the sin, okay? And that is our God. That is comfort for you and I. That is comfort for all of us that the sin that we have has been, has been pardoned by the exact sin. Now, here's the difference, though, is that these people receive God's judgment. For me and you who are under the new covenant, if we have our faith in Jesus Christ, that that uh, wrath then the judgment that they faced, we don't have to face that because... Jesus Christ, our loving Savior, received that cup of wrath on his shoulders, and he took that on for you and I, okay? And the iniquity that was pardoned wasn't just pardoned because God said, hey, you're forgiven, okay? That would make him wicked. That would make him unjust and unrighteous, okay? He could never do that. So only based on someone making the payment could that uh, sin be pardoned, okay? And that was Jesus for me and you. So I ask you that when you are pressed and when you are crushed in life, and I know that we've all been through those times, is where do you turn to for comfort? Where do you turn to for comfort? Do you find that you're easily wavered off the rock of Christ? Or, or do you find that in the middle of your struggle and in the middle of your affliction that Christ is enough, okay? Paul said, and uh, Paul transitions really into praising God and being amazing in the midst of suffering in 2 Corinthians uh, 1, verse 3 and 4, and I believe it's on, on the screen here. Um, Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. See, when we go and find that these worldly comforts are really just temporary and that when we get to the end of it, it's, we feel even worse, right? Because there's only one sort of comfort that can sustain, one comfort that can endure, one comfort that's forever. And that's the comfort that only God can offer, okay? So whenever we go through difficult times, know that the comforts we seek here on this earth are going to be momentary. Then maybe a, a more famous passage in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Some of you have heard this. If you're familiar with Paul, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, and he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the, of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. That's what we do in the middle of our affliction. We say, God, please take it away. Please remove this burden. Then things will be okay, right? And here comes God and he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on, he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that, the, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Last week, Travis finished our are serious in the Beatitudes for those of you who weren't here. And we talked about persecution. And, and one of the things that I just remember was when he quoted Bonhoeffer and, 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 he, and he talked about how Bonhoeffer said that for a Christian, we know that we're going to be persecuted. We know it's going to happen. It's right here. So it should really be a joy for you and I. It should be a joy in the midst of our affliction to say that Christ is enough. Because God says that even in the midst of your pain and your suffering in your darkest hour that I will provide comfort for you. For myself, uh, so a little bit about, I guess, my story. Is, uh, I'm from South Africa, of course, originally. Um, I came here on a golf scholarship to play college golf. And when I graduated, I guess towards the end of my college career was when I felt like the Lord was just kind of laying this burden on my heart to go into ministry and and now I get the privilege to do that full time. And um, the burden I had and the thing that kind of st stuck with me is this, and to be honest, it still is with me today, is the question of should I go back to South Africa or should I go here? So I live by the beach in South Africa. It's really nice, okay? Or should I stay here, right? And, and, and it's kind of funny, but, but that's a real battle because here's the thing, all right? Some of you have lost family members, and I know that, but, and some of you uh, uh, might have wrestled with this as well, but here's the thing. I choose to be here, all right? I love my family. I love my mom, my dad, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents. I love them, but yet I choose to be in America. So somehow I'm missing out on golf with my dad. I'm missing out on 
barbecue with my friends. I'm missing out on the birth of cousins and, 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 and family members getting married, whatever. I'm missing out on these things. And I'm asking myself, is it worth it to stay here or should I go back? And, and I'm wrestling with this. But I know that the Lord laid a burden on my heart to do ministry. And he's called me here right now. And I have to be faithful in that and obedient in that, right? And here's the thing. And here's kind of how I bring it back to this is the fact that I must realize that the comfort that comes from God, I cannot find that in a white picket fence here or in the beach in South Africa. The comfort that I'm longing for really can only come from God, okay? So not even your family members can bring you the comfort that only God can bring you, okay? And if our hope is in the removal of those difficulties and if our hope is for God to take those afflictions away, we're going to be heavily disappointed, right? Because God is going to show us that he is greater. So he is able in that very moment of your worst affliction to help you endure. He's able to help you, uh, uh, he's you to give you peace. He can give you comfort. He gives you comfort that lasts, that is unchangeable. Comfort that is not dependent on how good or how bad the circumstance gets, right? And this is who Paul is talking about is a God who is able to comfort even in the middle of your struggle. There is no difficulty too challenging. There is no hardship too difficult for God to be able to come in the middle of that and say that I am enough and that I can bring you comfort. See, for most of us and for, I count myself in that, please, is uh, we have the ten tendency to say this, is that God, when this is done, when, when this is over, then things will be okay. And we all do that. Paul did it right here. And God's response to that is, he says, no. He says, no. I am better than that. Because even in the middle of your affliction, you are going to find me enough. All right? We're going to go into a time of prayer right now. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to do corporate prayer. So if anybody here feels like they have a prayer to lift up, feel free to do that, please. And then I'll close us again right before we, we do our communion um, with another prayer, and then we'll go into our communion for the day. So bow with me, and... When I'm done, feel free to, to please pray with us. Please, please pray in silent if you feel so, but if you're willing to do it out loud, please do that and let us hear your heart. Um, Heavenly Father, you are a faithful God. You are a good God. You are a merciful, graceful God who provides comfort for us, Lord. And, and most of us here, Lord, you know our stories. You know the hairs on our head. And Father, I know that for those of us who sit here today, that you have given us a glimpse of what that comfort looks like because you have brought us through it. Lord, if, the, the saying, Lord, that we always use is if you can bring us to it, you will bring us through it. And that's so true, Lord. That's so true that you will bring us through the difficult times. Not that that is what we look towards, God, but we look for your strength in the midst of that affliction, Father. Like we saw your people here in Isaiah chapter 40, Lord, where they were just burdened and afflicted. Lord, let us hear that same word of comfort when we see the things that go 
on in this world right now, Lord, with the terrorist attacks and, and the governments and whatever is going on, Lord, please comfort this people and point them towards you, Father, because only you are enough. And Lord, we just want to say that we love you and we praise you for sending your son to die on a cross so that we might have life, Lord. We who have faith in you, Jesus Christ, have new life and can look forward to the promise that is to come of a new heaven and a new earth, Lord. Lord, the fact that the promises that you've made in the past have come about up until this point, we now have faith that they will come about again like you promise in your scriptures, Lord. And, and we're grateful for that, Jesus. You are a good, powerful God who is enough even in the midst of our affliction. In Jesus' name.